0: See, we're going to get the call here. We're getting the right-
1: And welcome back to Under Review. I'm Greg, and Steve is with me along with our buddy Drew. Drew, say hello real quick. Hello, real quick. <laughs> and of course, Steve, as always, is on our show. So, Steve, how have things been going over there in uh, in Europe land?
0: Uh, it's been it's been a normal week, uh, a little bit more rainy than usual, but other than that, um, yeah, I think I was the only person in Vienna. Um, who followed the Mark Saul news? It's pretty shocking.
1: Wow, really? I, I'd be surprised. that there would be more people that would be following it, but I guess maybe
0: most of the- maybe there are some Ranger fans in Vienna. I just haven't met them in three years because you know Austrians are not very outgoing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, maybe I'll run into a Ranger fan one day. But uh, yeah, I think for now, yeah, I'm just I'm. I'm probably, you know, the, the only known Ranger fan in Vienna for most people.
1: But, uh, yeah. Fair enough. So, so Drew, uh, how, yeah, I haven't talked to you in quite a while.
0: Yeah,
2: all, all's well on my end, just busy as all hell. And, uh, you know, given everything going on in the world, I'll take being too busy, than not busy enough, right? Um, but no, I, you know, business is good, personal life is good, and uh, Rangers seem to be making some good moves slash getting great lottery luck. So all's good on my end. Thanks. Yeah, we can't, can't complain about that. It's time for Trade Talk.
1: So let's uh, let us just dive right into it. Um, I think something that um, a lot of Ranger fans who uh, <laughs> never thought this day would come, but Mark Stahl is not only not not only is he not not a ranger but he actually got traded um i actually had to do a double take when i saw that thing got posted cuz i saw a couple of people tweet it and i was like ah is this a joke i started like checking people's twitter accounts to make sure that it was a, an actual legit source and i didn't i wasn't getting trolled again by you know one of your famous uh friends out there so um but yeah he, he got traded and um so just to get a little idea of this um this is a little bit similar to the you know to, to what toronto does that right drew
2: yeah it's I'm, I'm laughing that you said like that you wanted to check to make sure you're were getting weren't getting trolled because i'm in a, a, a kind of like a hockey prospects group chat and like the first thing someone said is is this fucking brandon cohen again or is this for real uh, <laughs> that's exactly who
1: i thought it was i was like Am I being trolled <laughs> I want to make yeah, sure no, when no, I click was... on the link that it wasn't like it wasn't a V instead of a check mark next to name. I like, well, I'm being trolled here.
2: Yeah, well, luckily too, um, you know, the the couple of the it wasn't like any of the number one, like it wasn't like Elliot Freeman or Bob McKenzie that came out with it. It was kind of like the secondary um, newsbreakers that came out with it first. But then the Rangers themselves came out with it a couple minutes later and were like, Yeah, not only are we confirming this trade is real, but here is the return that everyone's speculating on, right. or the cost, I should say.
1: Uh,
0: yeah cost, and right? and, and it's 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 difficult to explain to fans who are more like casual fans because they always go oh what do we get in return and well we got 5.1 million 5.7 million in cap space in return but uh, yeah it cost us a second round pick and the thing that that greg touched on uh yeah it is kind of like the Marlowe situation last year but we didn't give up a first round pick so it's a huge win for the rangers this is this is amazing yeah. I think it's a
1: better deal than the Marlowe deal.
0: Yeah, to be fair, the Marlowe deal was different because even if Marlowe was bought out, the, the team still has the full cap hit because it was a thirty-five plus contract. And Mark Stahl, in case of a buyout, has a lower uh, cap hit. And but I don't think Detroit will buy him out anyway. But it's slightly different, slightly lower cap hit on the on the on the on the year in the first place. Um, but yeah, when, when the news broke, I was like, okay, here goes the 22nd overall pick so we can cancel the recording with Drew. But, uh, yeah, luckily that was not the case. Yeah. So yeah, Drew, you're still here for the recording. We still have the pick.
2: Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Nah, trust me. <laughs> that was my fear. I mean, I didn't think it would, that would have been the cost. Um, because like we said it, it you know, while it is different from the Marlowe deal, I didn't uh, yeah, I thought the Leafs. Not that they overpaid to get rid of Marlowe because that was just a cost, and Carolina rightfully, you know, leveraged them and knew that he, you guys desperately need this cap space, so we're going to bend you over the barrel here. But, um, but yeah, no second round pick seems right. That that seems like the proper cost. It looks like this. It's a rare trade where both fan bases are happy. The Rangers are happy that it stalls off the books without costing a first round pick, and Red Wings fans are happy that in essence they just purchased a second round pick for what five million in cap space.
1: So it's a win win. Uh,
0: it's 5.7 million. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, uh, quickly on the Marlowe trade. Um, I think Toronto n- didn't expect to, to go out in the, in, in, in like the first round. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure they fully expected to, to finally get over the hump, finally, maybe beat Boston in the playoffs and just go far with the cap space. They freed up. So even if it was a first round pick, I think in their mind, they thought it's going to be like in between 25 and 31, well, but I same time
2: though they still protected it just in case so you know i thought they you know they did okay by that i I thought it was a fine deal maybe a slight overpay by toronto and uh, you know i'm happy with where the rangers made this deal
0: yeah yeah and and you know we don't want to uh we don't want to be too negative about mark Stahl. yes we are happy he's off the books because it helps the rangers a lot but at the same time we should not forget what mark Stahl did for this organization and um Younger fans might not remember or might not know how good he was in his early years, but he was a beast. He was one of the best shutdown defensemen in the league. And I think that often gets overlooked because of how bad he aged and how he fell off a cliff after the concussion and the the puck to the eye. Well, and even
2: aside from that, um, I think it's, you know, even if Stahl sucked the whole time, it's not his fault that he's cashing those checks, right? Like, I, I one thing that annoys me that fans do is they get mad at the player for the contract. I'm yeah. Like, what the hell you met at the player for? Like, no, no, like no. I, I, I will never job. get mad at a player yeah. for, for signing yeah. a
0: contract. No.
2: It's like you suck at your job, but you're all, but your boss offers you five point seven million a year. I'm sure you're taking it, but you're gonna be like, oh, you know what? I don't think I'm worth that. I'm not gonna take your money. Yeah, yeah bullshit. <laughs> I
0: think I think I, I think my favorite story regarding that is Chris Drury, who was contemplating retiring and then Glenn Saver said, you know, here's like I think it was like five million a year. Here's five million a year for like four or five years. And he's like, Yeah, whatever, I'll sign it. I mean and, and why not? Well, why wouldn't you? A Dan Boyle got offered nine million over two years at age thirty eight. Well is he supposed to just turn around and retire because you know he's not feeling like it? No. He, he should have said nah, I think you guys should
2: resign strawman instead, but that's <laughs> Yeah. I
0: don't know that's but nev- i never blame the player for the contract <laughs> they are offered, you know. Yeah. But so, uh so, yeah. what, what's our what's our cap situation now? Uh, the cap situation is interesting. Uh, at the moment, we're around we're 20 million in cap space, which gets a lot of fans excited, but it's not as exciting as it might seem because of course you have Ryan Strom, Anthony D'Angelo, uh, you have Georgiev, Lemieux, all restricted free agents. Maybe they want to bring back Jesper Fast. who knows? Um, but one thing that's that's I think overlooked by a lot of fans because we simply have never been in this situation is that we have to deal with performance bonuses or at least with the possibility of performance bonuses and between lafreniere kako fox and just next season they can combine for maximum 9.2 million in performance bonuses so you have to sort of have some cap space to to go with to to you know to. To have a buffer to, to go into the season because if that nine point two million if they all hit it which I doubt happens but still you have to prepare for it uh, only seven point five percent of the total cap can uh, can roll over you can you can roll over the cap so they need some kind of buffer in terms of cap space so the twenty million will not all be used on players. Mm-hmm. Uh, they uh, have. That, that... Wait, Greg. Greg. Sorry,
2: I, I want to interrupt here. I have I kind of popped open Twitter here while. Steve was going on about boring cap stuff and um Bob (laughs) McKenzie I'm busting your chops a little bit but Bob McKenzie just tweeted that the he's confirmed that the Rangers called Buffalo asking about what Eichel's price would be (laughs) dude I was the one who kept talking about Eichel for a while people thought I was fucking nuts (laughs) Drew you thought I was nuts I mean you are I mean it's nuts to think that it's something would happen I mean that's that's GM's job you call I bet you you know, Edmonton probably receives calls all the time asking, hey, what would it cost to get McDavid? It's just weird that I, I just popped open Twitter because the re- real reason why I open Twitter was because I was going to go to Puckpedia's page as, as Steven was talking about uh, the cap stuff. Puckpedia is it. usually like the place I go to for that stuff. I, and all of a sudden at the top, I see Bob McKenzie goes, "I, uh, you, know, you know, imagine my surprise when I log in today and see that uh, – you know there's legitimate Eichel trade talk, and he did some digging and found out that like the Rangers did, in fact, call. But the long story short is like nothing's happening here, like Buffalo and Eichel are working to you know mend the relationship. It just was interesting that he specifically noted that the Rangers called and had that discussion.
1: No, he's gonna be a Ranger. I want to hear it. I'm I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like just like, uh, just like Greg, I'm gonna try to speak that into existence.
0: I and want when, that to happen. When, when he's 34, he's gonna be a Ranger. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <You're quiet. laughs> <laughs> no, but um, it, I mean, I, I'm i pretty sure an Eichel trade could work for the Rangers, but if that is the case, I'm 99% sure that a guy like Jacob Truba has to go the other way because you have to offset the salary.
2: Yeah, it's, it, honestly, it's it's not even worth like, getting into the finer details and, and no. all that, but you're right. yeah, There's a lot of moving pieces, and uh, you know the Rangers are probably one of two or three teams that if they really wanted to, they have the assets to get it done. Yeah. It's just a matter of do you want to part with what it will take to get done.
0: Yeah, quickly. Uh, speaking of assets, uh, I saw a lot of fans on Twitter talking about offer sheeting Matt Barzal. and yeah, that's not happening by the Rangers because we don't have a second round pick. So unless they're willing, unless they're willing to give up four first rounders, they cannot offer sheet Barzal for an amount between six and ten million. Well,
2: so, there's hmm. no point in signing an offer sheet for him under ten and a half million or whatever that threshold is. If we're being honest, like Barzal is gonna get, you know. 10 and a half, 11 million on his next deal, most likely. So if you give him an offer sheet under that, then it's the same thing that Montreal did to Ajo. You're just giving the team an easy excuse to sign a cheaper deal.
0: Yeah, speaking of that Aho offer sheet, by the way, I don't think it gets talked about enough how how good of a deal it is for the rest of the league because by by offering, by offering giving him an offer sheet of five years, it brings Aho to unrestricted free agency at age 27. Mm. And... I had a discussion on Twitter with uh, with with someone saying that offer sheets are not always about getting the player now. Offer sheets are sometimes about putting a gym in a position where they have to make a decision, and you know they had to sign Aho to a five-year deal when maybe they they would have preferred to sign him for eight years. I mean, who knows?
1: Yeah, makes but, sense.
0: Uh, yeah, offer sheets are, in my opinion, offer sheets are are deeper than just getting the player now in most cases. No, it so, is. Take away the draft compensation. The draft compensation part of it is
2: freaking
1: stupid. Yeah, I think so too. Um like so, the so, NBA. So, 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 so let's let's just get uh, run back to the, the cap situation a little bit. Um, so, so, how do how do we factor Lundqvist into this? I mean, the well, first of all, we know that we're not going to start the season with three goalies. So, are we all? Is everyone here in agreement that Lundqvist won't be back next season?
2: i guess I'll tackle this first. Um, there's a big difference between what I think the Rangers would will do and what I personally would do. course, okay. I'd trade Goryev. I don't think he's that good. I think he's one of the most overrated players on the entire team. I mean, I think he's fine. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a good backup or like a you know a, a platoon style goalie. But these people that think he's some like surefire like starter no if ands or buts about it i, I think are nuts and are, are ignoring all the bad games he's had and only remembering the good ones he's had and i don't think he's good enough to bend over backwards for uh in order to keep um and that said i also think shesterkin is good enough where he is in no if ands or buts about it starter all the time and you don't necessarily need you know two great goalies um But at the end of the day, my thoughts on Lundqvist are this. Uh, He's done everything for the organization, so you do what's right by him. If Lundqvist wants to be traded and go for a chance to play for a contender, try to make that happen. If he wants to be bought out, um, and therefore he can kind of go wherever he wants, then that's the one situation where I would buy him out. But I would not buy him out if he doesn't want to be. I think that's just a waste of cap space next year. Okay, so what, think, so
1: what do you think the Rangers will do? That, and that, that I think that's the. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. But what do you think the Rangers will do?
2: I mean, it sounds like the Rangers going to buy him out, but.
1: So,
0: uh, Drew, would you would you be interested in a scenario where they agree with Lundqvist that his contract is going to be bought out, but they trade him? He waives his no no trade clause to get traded to another team that then buys him out, and you give the twenty second overall pick as payment for that to get the full eight point five million in cap space.
2: No, no way. This, this I don't care about this year. Like the the team this year is probably going to be fun and good, but I don't view them to be actual contenders. So I, I, I'm not really doing anything to prioritize this year over future years, and that's what that deal would be doing.
0: Yeah, and and the other thing is uh, because the same with the Mark Stahl money that comes off the books now, uh, people are lining up to spend it on another player, but we have to understand that we have some really good players coming off their entry level contracts in the next 2 or 3 years as well
2: Yeah, well, exactly. And that's the key about the stall deal is it's not about the fact that we have more cap space now. It's about we just have more flexibility to do certain things that may impact years to come. Um, And so, so like I said, I think the team's going to be pretty fun this year. I think when it comes to the playoff time, there'll be that team or analysts, there'll be like that 7-8 seed that analysts are talking about like, oh, you know, watch out for the Rangers. They could be a tough out if their goalie gets hot and this and that happens. But I don't view them as legitimate cup contenders this year. And for that reason, it's, you know, Stay the course, keep developing, keep your focus on developing your young talent and getting better, but don't, you know, try speeding this up or anything.
0: Okay. A quick question before we move on to the draft, which will be the big part of our show today. What do you think impacts the Rangers' defense more? Lindy Ruff leaving or Mark Stahl getting traded? Hmm.
2: For me, I think that's impossible to answer, honestly, because it's, you know, it's nice for us, you know, on Twitter to sit here and talk about what we think is the reason this and that. But at the end of the day, if you're not in the room hearing what the coaches are saying, and if you're not in um, practices watching what the coaches are preaching, then it's impossible to know. Like, was the Rangers problems on defense, bad coaching? Was it bad play? Was it a combination of both? I mean, the answer was, was probably a combination of both. There's pretty clear signs that they had poor structure and that they had weird, decisions on how to defend zone entries and this and that but there's also a lot of instances where guys just looked like they buried their head in the sand and forgot there was a game going on around them and just completely lost track of the play um so so i think it's hard to say like exactly what was lindy ruff's fault versus david quinn's fault versus jeff Gorton's fault versus the players on the ice's fault
0: yeah well one thing i do know is that um Shea and Stahl leaving and Adam Fox being a year older and D'Angelo as well, it's going to impact it's going to impact the defense immensely. Uh, especially the left side. I mean, who we're going to put on the left side now? That's that's probably a question that might not be answered until December.
1: Yeah. Um, well that, that 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 gives me this question now, just to, before we get into the draft. I bring up uh... Tony D'Angelo a little bit. So, what what do you what do you do you think his first of all, what's he worth? Both you guys, what do you think he's worth? Stephen, you can go
0: first. Um, for what he brings to the team, it's it's tough. It's tough to now say uh, that this this last season was is going to be a benchmark, or if it was like an exception. Um. I do know that in his draft year he was projected to be this type of player, so maybe he's finally coming into his own I know defensively there he leaves a lot to be desired but offensively he brings a lot to the team that if you get rid of that it might impact the team in a negative way um, I wouldn't go I wouldn't go higher than five million a year and um, if it's a long-term contract, it still gives you the option to trade him in the first three years because those are his RFA years. So there's no clause possible for those years. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, five million is is my absolute max a year. I, a that,
1: that's what I was going to ask you. I, my my secondary question was going to be, would you go north of five? But you just answer that. No, no,
0: no. Um, what about no, you, North
1: of five? the money
2: isn't so much the issue with me. That it is the term um, Steve, Steven mentioned started to touch on a little bit about walking him to UFA. I think he's UFA in three years. Um, three years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, so, and, and in terms of what we've seen, yes, the offensive production we saw this year is what he projected to be as a prospect. And also his, his, Honestly, his best aspect of his game is his transitional play. And he has been an elite, elite transitional defenseman his entire career. If you look at, I think, Corey Snyder, Corey Snyder I think is how you pronounce his name on Twitter. He's the one that does a lot of that that zone tracking data. And, yeah. and since he began it since D'Angelo was in Arizona. He always graded out as like a top five percentile in the entire NHL um, defenseman in terms of you know transitioning the puck up the ice and entering the opposition zone. Um, so all of that is, I think you can reasonably expect will continue going forward. It's just, you know, how how badly do the Rangers need that when they also have Adam Fox and then their pipeline consists of Keandre Miller and Nils Lundqvist and you know Truba's pretty good uh, offensively too. In fact, you know I don't understand where Truba got this reputation as some defensive de- uh, defenseman from. That was never the case. He was always more offensively gifted than defensively. Um, so. I think the argument for the Rangers is not so much exactly how good is D'Angelo as much as it is how badly do you need what he does on this team. And for that, I personally, I would say two years. Don't want to walk him to free agency with a three-year deal. I would do two years, and five-ish sounds right. If he wants to go a little bit north of that, I, I wouldn't hate it. Um, but, you know, two years, 4.5, the 5.5, that range, I'm I'm fine with. Um, but I wouldn't go longer than two, especially because I know people don't like to hear this, but like the guy's a volatile person and and I don't want to get into politics or anything like that, but just from a pure business decision, you know, like I'm in a managerial position at work. When you have someone that like you, you, that you legitimately concerned could say the wrong thing and then get your entire organization in a heap of PR trouble, like you do have hesitancy hitching your wagon to that person and committing, you know, seven, eight year deal to that individual. And I get knowing the Rangers PR and and I actually know people who literally know their PR people. I'm telling you, they are hesitant. They would definitely be hesitant to offer him a seven year deal because of the type of person he is.
1: I actually agree with that completely. And that's something that me and Steve chimed on a few times is I just think that, when it comes to Tony D'Angelo, there's there's Tony D'Angelo, the athlete, and then there's Tony D'Angelo, the asset. And, and, and unfortunately, as the asset, there's there's some negativity to that because well, you're going to con- constantly have to think about what what are the what are the things he's doing off the ice to take your focus away from the game. It, that's and the, that's be, something you have to think about.
2: Yeah, and sorry, Greg, I didn't mean to interrupt. To be clear, it's not politics. Like I don't want anyone listening to this thinking it's politics. It's just the way he handles himself on Twitter and out in public. I mean, it most most hockey players probably share his political beliefs, but most don't feel the need to troll people on Twitter all day long as a hobby over it and don't feel the need to threaten, you know, say, hey, come say that to my face outside of MSG and crap like that. And and while it's kind of silly and it's easy to sit back and like, ha ha, this is entertaining. I'm I'm telling you, the Rangers are a a conservative organization. That kind of thing bugs them. And I know for a fact spoken to about it.
0: I will, I will, I will say this about DeAngelo, because um, he has some issues off ice that might be a problem for the team. But it, it's, I think for these, for for teams in the NHL, it's, it's just a, a, a balance, you know. If if the player brings more on the ice than what he causes off the ice, so to speak, they are willing to let it slide. I mean. Oh, absolutely. The the situation with Austin Matthews last year when I think in Arizona he was arrested or something for harassing a woman at 2 a.m. trying to break into her car while she was in it, whatever. If that is done by a fourth-line player, contract contract terminated. It's not even a question. Look at Brendan Leipzig. If Brendan Leipzig is a 40-goal scorer in the league, he's still in the league.
2: Yeah, and and also, like, I mean... That that you need to be pretty good though, you know, for that threshold to be high. And I think Dougie Hamilton's a good example of it. Like Dougie Hamilton is no questions asked, an elite defenseman in this league, and he's been traded twice for personality reasons, it seems. That's 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 pretty interesting
0: for a player like Dougie Hamilton to be traded twice. Yeah. So but well, anyway. I, just,
1: I just goes in- to show you that that, that also, like as, as good as you are, um there there are teams that at some point, you you just kind of frustrate them enough with they just don't want to deal with your shit. It it really
0: does come down to that sometimes. Yeah. They just don't want to deal with your shit. Uh, yeah. To 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 quickly use an example from a different sport in football, uh, safety Earl Thomas was uh, on the Seahawks for many years, and there were always issues. And at some point, they reached their limit, and they and they just they just terminated his contract. And look and at it, look went, at it,
1: look at Antonio Brown on the on on the uh, the Steelers. I mean, an Antonio
0: Brown once he left the Steelers, he became. I don't know what happened to him. It, it may be a concussion related, but he was off the rails. It's ridiculous. And and at some point, teams will have will have had enough. But I think it also depends on how much do you bring to the team. And like I said, a player like Austin Matthews has a lot more leeway than a player like Brendan Leipzig, as we as we've seen in the last twelve months. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's what what the case will be with the as well. Will <laughs> the Will the um, um, uh, the benefits outweigh the costs, so to speak?
1: Well, then here's the follow-up question: That what are the chances he gets traded, and do you think that happens?
2: I don't. I, think yeah, traded now, at least. Um, I I'm not an insider, and I don't want to play like the I have legitimate sources game. But a, a couple people that do seem to indicate that they have it on pretty good authority that the Rangers are working on a contract extension with him. So I'd be pretty surprised if they traded him.
0: Got it. And and if they trade him, for me, the most important thing is that they trade him for something, for a player that is is on the same level. I'm not interested in trading a player like D'Angelo for... A package with a bunch of futures. Cause nah,
2: you. I agree. In, like you trade. Like if Anaheim does say, "Hey, okay, we're moving Lindholm," that's when you're like, "All right, twenty-two. Yeah. D Lindholm. Where do we go from here?" Right. right. Yeah.
1: I, I think if you're gonna, I think if you're gonna move him, you 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 move him for something that that makes a team better today. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so that, that that that's so. One other question that I that I do have now, since we're talking about some of the uh, the guys who have pending deals coming up, what are your thoughts on Ryan Stroman before we get into anything else? Yeah, um, he's.
2: I mean, for him, he's a guy that I think a one year deal makes all the sense in the world. Um, you, you throw his name out, and you get all these arguments on both sides of oh, he's a product of the environment. No, he's the kind of player that actually makes elite talent better. lot of you know what. We don't. I think the answer is we don't know. Give him a one-year prove-it deal, and then go from there. That's my personal view.
0: Okay. Yeah, and then, and that would be a deal similar to the one Kevin Hayes got in his final RFA year. And um, mm-hmm. if the Rangers are not, for whatever reason, like massive injuries, if they are not in the playoff position, they can flip him at the deadline for uh, for some for maybe a first-round pick. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that, I think that's fair.
1: I actually think Ryan Strong would be a perfect third-line center uh, at a cheap value if they would ever keep. Him. Um so I guess the are there any other RFAs that we've we've kind of missed?
0: Uh Georgiev we touched on, but uh, there's Brendan Lemieux. Yeah, I don't I
1: don't really care about Brandon Lemieux, no offense. Uh,
0: okay, so one question for me before we really jump into the draft, and do you think Jesper Fast will be back?
1: Ooh, that's a good one. I, I don't think, think
0: it, so. I I think it's all cost
2: dependent. Um, I think he's the kind of player where if you're the rangers you draw a line of the sand and say hey listen jesper we we love you we think you're a great player it's so admirable how you put you know everything online every single night but at the end of the day you're not that difficult to replace so this mm-hmm. is how much we're willing to pay you and if you want more hey happy hunting and free agency best of luck to you
0: and yeah. that's <laughs> the that that's that that's the other side of the coin, you know, it's his first time hitting free agency. This is the first time he can actually go out there and, and, you know, earn some big bucks. And he's not the type of player that will earn 100 million over the course of his career, like Henrik Lundqvist. So this might be his, it's definitely his first, but it might be his only real chance to go out, go out and earn a big deal. I, I, I agree.
1: Mean, I mean, if a team like Colorado, or, you know, goes out and throws a, a bunch of money at him, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset if you left. I mean, I get it, you
0: know, take your payday and go. Yeah. But- if 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 Colorado, who has all the cap space in the world, throws four million a year, I guess for Faust and he he signs it, I have no problem with that. I yeah, mean me, for me him. Neither. Yeah, me neither.
1: Good. Uh, having said that, I actually I actually don't think he comes back. I think that there is I i I went back and forth on this with me and Steve. I think I'm starting to lean lean a little bit towards there is always gonna be a GM out there who'll throw another million dollars at a player. So I think I think it's more more likely he leaves. The one thing I do like about Foss, which, just to touch on as a player is I like the fact that he's very versatile. You know, you can kind of put him in a lot of different options, um, and you can kind of put him up and down the lineup. So that it, that kind of stinks that we we would lose that kind of player. Um, not that you can't find that kind of player, but it is it is nice when you have that kind of guy, that kind of player um, at a at a you know pretty good cost.
0: So hopefully we can keep him, but I don't you know it's it's not a make or break it. I do remember in, I think, his rookie or, or second year in the NHL, there was this stat flowing around that his points per 60 were higher than JT Miller's, uh, which was quite interesting at the time. Uh, but, yeah, he's a very versatile player. If you if you have an injury in your top six, just throw yes for Fast up there for a couple of games until, you're, until your winger gets back. It's perfect.
1: Exactly. Yeah, That's exactly the role for him. That, that's why if they keep him great, if someone overpays for them, that, that's fine, too.
0: So. Yeah. All right, then. Let's get into it. The big topic yes. of day. It's time for NHL Draft Talk.
1: So, uh, Drew, let me ask you this. So... In your wildest dreams, did you ever think this would happen? That the Rangers would actually win the, uh, the, NHL, the NHL lottery?
2: I mean, wildest dreams?
1: Yeah. I mean, you you got no
2: idea what kind of dreams I've had in my life. No, I mean, of course, like my <laughs> wildest dreams, yeah. But it's, I mean, it's obviously a pretty, yeah, I, I, you know, I guess the best way to put it is this. Until, up until the fact when that first lottery happened... I was like, "Yeah, there's no chance." But when that first lottery happened and it was revealed, one of the play-in teams are going to get it. Okay, now you're talking one in eight chance. Yes, at that point, I allowed myself to believe a little bit that it
1: was possible. Right, but but even even then, I I, I could see our hopes getting you know being broken, and you know Edmonton or uh, or you know or Pittsburgh getting that getting that ball and just be like, oh. Of course, right or Toronto, yeah. Oh, Toronto, yeah, exactly. I, I, I could have seen that, and I've been like, yeah, of course. But the fact that the Rangers actually won the lottery for—I mean, if you think about, it, they had—they actually won the lottery twice. If you think about it, well, they you know, did. did well, right, because the uh, the, the, the non the uh, the it had to be one NHL non-playing team, and then the Rangers had to win again. So, um, I mean, I, I don't know what the odds are on that, but it has to be pretty dang low, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, getting second overall last year with Kapokako, and then getting first overall this year, it was, I mean, I, I I was watching the lottery and there were eight balls in it and I thought they, they really took their time. I thought that it wouldn't end like the introduction. You have eight balls in a suitcase. How long does it take? <laughs> um, and I was, I was video calling my girlfriend because, you know, my stream was like a minute behind and she was watching live. So through the video call, I, I was able to watch it like real time. And um, when that ball hit, I was like red and blue. What team has I, red and blue other than I the Rangers? I
1: Montreal right away, but I was like, are not they in the
0: playoffs? Yes. <laughs> the first thing that went through my mind was which other team has red and blue in their logo and for a split second. And then they zoomed in on the ball, and I couldn't believe it. I was oh, yeah. so happy.
2: Sort of um, Did you watch it live? No, I was having dinner with my wife and my son when that happened. <laughs>
0: oh, okay. Priorities. <laughs> that's, uh, that's but true.
2: no, I uh, my phone started blowing up, obviously, the second it happened. I remember turning to my wife and just going, ha, huh, look at that, the Rangers just won the lottery. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so nonchalant. <laughs> look, the Rangers won the Stanley Cup, too. It's not amazing. Could you pass us all? Yeah, you no, know, honestly, she's got to put up a lot with me
2: and, and my hockey nonsense, so I try to give her a break as much as possible.
1: That's fair. That's
2: fair. I'm pretty sure
0: she appreciates it, and she understands what a big moment it was that you forfeited to go out to dinner with her. Yeah. Exactly.
1: So so let's talk about so let's talk about this uh, the, the player of the Rangers are going to draft uh, Lafreniere. So, Drew, I mean I know I know everyone's excited, but give us your your inside take on Lafreniere, the player. Where would you rank him in in terms of the the past couple of drafts that we've had? Um, where would you like? Just kind of give us an overall view of like. Projection of him as a player. What's his talent level? What's his what's his like? What are it? Highlight his skill sets? what are his weaknesses if there are any etc cetera, et cetera.
2: Yeah, um, I'll keep like the talk about him as a player kind of limited because I feel like most people by this point have probably gotten their fill of that but You know quickly if, if I don't like player comps, but like if you want a cheap player comp think a bigger stronger Patrick Kane in terms of like the kind of player he is and his style um, he actually said in an interview that he modeled that as a kid growing up he tried to model his game, af- game after Patrick Kane and you can kind of see that a bit um, but you know he's he's six one, b- b- about 200 pounds mostly muscle he's strong um, he can do it all um, he he's his, the biggest development in my opinion of him this year compared to last year was his defensive game and his play along the boards got much much better granted now he's a year older he's one of the older people in the class and so he is kind of older and, and can outmuscle a lot of these teenagers and juniors but still it was good to see someone as skilled and prolific and and someone who quite frankly didn't need to do anything this year and to still be a lottery pick still clearly continue to work on his game refine it and get better in the areas where previously people may have knocked him a bit and and i'd say he's probably his biggest strength is his how well-rounded his game is. And, and I want to be clear how much that's saying because he's got a ton of strengths in terms of incredible hands, really good skater, fantastic vision, better shot than most people give him credit for. But really, his best strength is the fact that there are no more, there's no clear red flags in his game anymore because of how much work he put in this year to get better defensively, to get better along the boards, to get more physical. Um, and so there's, I, I can't think of anything negative necessarily to say about him. And then in terms of where he ranks of the past couple drafts, um, I would say he definitely is number one last year over Hughes and Kako. Um, two years prior to that, who who was number one? Daleen. Oh yeah, that's it. Yes, he's on the tier with Dalene. Uh, him and I think people because Daleen's in Buffalo, people forget that Dalene was a generational generational defensive prospect. Um, I would say it's a mistake to say Lafreniere is clearly better than Darlene. Um, I, but I'd put them on the same tier. But then when you go to the previous draft, that's like the Nico Hischer draft, uh, right. definitely number one in that draft. And then if you put him into the, the Austin Matthews draft, I'd say you know, Austin probably goes ahead of him because Austin's a center, but he's on, you know, that tier prospect where with like an Austin Matthews and Erasmus Rasmus Dahlin.
1: That's, so, I mean, so that, so that, that alone, uh, you know, uh, that, that value alone is, is is pretty dang high. I mean, I I was you know I I like I think that was the biggest question I had is like where would I put him in terms of guys like an Austin Matthews, Sveshnikov, like where like where does he rank in, in terms of those guys in terms of his prospect, you know, uh, you know, um, talent. But I mean, if he, if he's in that kind of category, that's just and so already. You're saying as an An elite, exceptional prospect.
2: Yeah, and to be clear, I'm comparing him to those guys at the time in their draft year. I'm not taking into account correct. That's what what I mean. Right turned into right, Um, but yeah, at the time of the draft, no, he is not McDavid. He's that that that's no. Um, But he probably a little bit under Eichel. I think people forget how crazy good Eichel was as a prospect. But it's you know it's you know Eichel and, and Matthews are centers, so like they definitely get the nod over him. But In in that range of that, you know, not generational prospect, but elite prospect, yes.
0: I like Taylor Taylor
2: Hall. I'd say probably a little bit the uh, taylor hall that was a weird year that taylor versus tyler and but yeah that that's in the yes we're that's in the realm of discussion we're talking about here i mean like i said i mean you want to go all the way back kind of like how patrick kane was talked about in his mm-hmm. back year like that that you know for, for a winger to be the clear number one like that's saying a lot in a league that is notorious for constantly reaching for positional value over best player available yeah, so just, yeah
1: and just, just and, so we can knock this out of the park the, the chances the rangers actually trade that trade that number one pick
2: about zero percent. I mean, thanks, it's, thanks. yeah, there's too many people who are legitimate. I mean, listen, the Rangers are a smart organization and they're always open for business. And if some team comes along and completely you know, offers them something that no one should ever offer them, then sure, they would move it. But now that deal's not happening in terms of things that would realistically happen. If they're picking Lafreniere at one um, and that's it.
0: Yeah, uh quickly, uh, I think for future references, and I think everyone should do this. When we are comparing first overall picks to previous drafts, when we talk about the twenty seventeen draft, we should talk about Pedersen, Makar, and Heiskanen. not not He <laughs> and Patrick. But again, though, we gotta talk about how they to- <laughs> were at the time of the draft. Yeah, of course, but it's that that was it, like even even like a year in, that was such a weird top five.
2: Oh it was, absolutely. And um yeah, no, I,
0: I'm not going to argue. No, so yeah, but, uh, I don't know if if you know this, Drew, but uh, you know he will be the first player the Rangers picking the first round from the QMJHL since 1977. Yeah, and that player they took in
2: 77, I don't think I've ever heard of either.
0: Lucien. <laughs> exactly. I saw that stat going around. I'm not too who? Lucien DeBlois. And who cares? I'm almost. I'm almost stumbling over that name myself. So uh, Ron Dugay was uh, their other first round pick that year. Both were picked over Mike Bossy. So. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, I'll the second, 22nd overall
1: pick. Yeah. So this, this, I think this is the question that, that, you know, really where I want you to kind of uh, chime in on a lot is who are the players you think will be available at 22? Who are some guys you're, you're targeting towards that latter end of that first round?
2: Yeah. Good. So, I mean, this is obviously the question that I probably get asked the most on Twitter and, And so uh, bear with me for a second while I just give you a little bit of background on my methodology. Um, Okay. I always say you draft best player available, but, and, you know, emphasis, but I also uh, emphasize tiers. And, And so I don't think you can necessarily go, hey, 1 through 32, these are, you know, our ranks, you know, our first round, or 1 through 31, this is our first round ranks. I think there's tiers in there. And within those tiers, you could reasonably argue them to go in any order. So with that said, um, you know, the way I currently have things shaken out now, and I've been you know, tweaking my rankings recently, and I'm probably going to try to publish it one more time before the draft here. Um, you know, I have a tier right now that goes from pick 14 to pick 22 and another one from 23 to 30. Um, okay. So in that 15, that 14 to 22 range, um, the players I have, and and so the answer is if any of these are available at 22, I, I'm fine with taking them. Um, you got you know Seth Jarvis, who's the winger from the WHL, um, who probably is going to go higher than 14, um, based on what a lot of people are saying. Then you have the goalie Askarov, um, who obviously the Rangers don't need. Then you have the the guy that I've been standing the hardest for on Twitter recently in terms of this is the guy that, in terms of positional value, what the Rangers need, and his skill set I, I really want is Maverick Bork. Um, he's a center from the QMJHL, and he's absolutely fantastic, and I do think he will project to be a center in the NHL. Um, so I got him at 16. 17, I got another good center prospect, Dylan Holloway uh, from Wisconsin. He was someone who's actually was much higher, was very highly touted coming into this year, but the entire Wisconsin team had a hell of a season Keionger Miller included. Um, so a lot, so his stocks fall a little bit compared to, you know, at the beginning of this year, he was often spoken about around 10 or so. Um, okay. but you know, I have him 17. So obviously he'd be a fine pick at 22. Connor Zary has another center. I have an 18. Then Jack Quinn probably is going to go higher piece for some Ottawa. Apparently he's thinking of taking him at five, which would be astronomically dumb, but whatever. He's a very good player. And then I got Dawson Mercer. Brendan Bersan, son of the super agent um, uh, for, uh, Pat Bersan, who's John Tavares' agent. He's a center that I have at 21. And then I round out that tier with a uh, player that I bet, I guess Stephen probably likes, Zion Niebeck, who Bob
0: McKenzie has going in the third round, but I don't care. I think he's fantastic. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, uh, regarding Niebeck, I think he's ranked lower because of his size, and that's it.
2: Yeah, and the, the sad thing is, is, Every place has him listed at like five eight, but then the NHL came out with like, no, he's five six. I'm like, I'm gonna take literally every other source over you.
0: Yeah, I'm <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to take the team he plays for yeah. and go to their website and take those measurements and believe those.
2: Yeah, and he plays for HV seventy one, right? Like, that's a really good SHL team. It's not like it a
1: organization. Is.
0: Yeah.
1: So, um, let me, so Let me let me ask you this. So here's another question for you. Are there any players that you could see um, dropping dramatically to maybe, to, you know, to, to into that tier that maybe might be available for the range? Um, like, yeah. I'm sure before 14, you have a tier. Is there someone that could drop 10, yeah, 12 there, spots? There's
2: there's two guys I have in that prior tier that I would say likely could drop um one is jan uh, the, the canadians do pronounce it jan my um i know that it's not 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 how he natively pronounces his name but mm-hmm. on the canadian broadcast they did call him jan my i believe it was Jan like mishuk or something like that when he was in the czech league mm-hmm. Meshach, yeah. Yeah, I have him at 12. Um, Bob McKenzie has him at like 30-something. He's probably wow. going to be there. in, or, or it's, I shouldn't say probably, but it's very likely he could be there 22. I love him. Um, he's played a lot more wing recently, but I do think he could be a center in the NHL. And then Noel Gundler is another one where I have him at 11. Um, you know, McKenzie's ranks, again, which are a good indication of what NHL teams are actually thinking. I think McKenzie has him around 30 also, um, and so he could definitely be there. And I could see a scenario where Rodian Amarov is also available there. I have him at 13, um, and, you know, because he's Russian and plays in the KHL, you know, that always sometimes scares off some teams for whatever reason. Um, but, yeah, those are guys I have in the previous tier that I could see legitimately dropping. I don't see anyone else legitimately dropping the 22. I understand people like talking about what if Anton Lundell drops. Like, that's not happening, um, at least not that far.
0: I think Anton yeah. Lundell's more likely to go top five than, than
2: after 20. I mean, I have Lundell ranked fifth, so yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah.
1: Could and, you see and, the and, could you see the Rangers trading up for somebody, or do you think that they're kind of stuck in? Hey, we're gonna stick at twenty two. I mean, I don't. It's it's hard to say what I
2: think the Rangers would do. Like, I'm not in the room. I don't know. But personally, I I, I generally don't like trading up. But I think the Rangers right now they have one of the deepest prospect organ, you know prospect pipelines in the NHL. And so they are a team that's, like, in perfect position to trade up if they wanted to. Um, And and I'd be all for it, honestly, um, given the position they're in. The problem is it's pretty rare. And by pretty rare, I think it means, like, almost it never happens, where you have trade-ups that involve picks and players. Usually it's trading up just using your draft board and not having a second-round pick really hamstrings, like, their ability to trade up.
1: Right. Okay. I mean, that makes sense that makes a lot of sense actually
0: yeah um, and, and and they yeah. also don't have next year's second round pick now because of the mark Stahl trade of course so mm-hmm. yeah. even if they wanted to go for for, for next year's picks to make uh, a trade like that happen yeah that's pretty much out the window um but like
2: yeah, playing around with like those uh steven what's the, the the draft simulator that we use all the time what's it
0: uh, it's called draft sim it's amazing
2: yeah, yeah but what's the site uh, i'm blanking on the site's name Hold on, let me check. But while you do that, like the point is, like I, I've often, like I've a couple times traded the entire draft board, and obviously after Lafreniere to move up and get Lundell. And so, like I wouldn't mind doing that at all. Um, I think the Rangers are in a spot where. you know, a rare spot where if they came away with just Alexi and Lundell, then you know maybe one of their seventh-round picks. Like that's perfectly fine because I think Lundell could plug in and be their third-line center immediately. I think he's that.
0: Who who was the football coach who traded his entire draft class away to get uh, like Ricky, Ricky Williams.
2: Williams?
0: Yeah, I, was it Jimmy yeah. Johnson? That the guy that Mike Ditka, draft, I think. Oh, Mike Ditka. Okay, yeah. Uh, the website is draftprospectshockey.com dot com slash
2: yeah, that tool has been great. And, yeah, and I all it's I, I personally have no problem with the team doing that. I don't think they'd actually do that, but I wouldn't complain if they did.
1: So who's your, who's your Ty Smith award this year? It was, that was uh, Jan Mysack. Got that. Okay. Okay. So he, he, he's the guy you think that sneakily is going to be one of the better kids in this draft.
2: There's, yeah, I mean, there's a handful of guys I feel that way. I think, um, you know, Maverick Bork is one where he's a lot of, you know, I didn't have him in that article because uh, there are some traditional pundits who have him very high as well, um, and, and usually with that award, I like it to be the guy that I am a lot higher on than others, um, yeah. but you know, I think Maverick Bork, if he's there at 22, would be an incredible pick. Um, But yeah, my sec, I think, you know, like I said, I have him at 12 and Bob McKenzie's ranks have him in the thirties. I think he's a very good player. I think he's more well-rounded than people give him credit for. And I do think his skill set could definitely translate to being a center in the NHL.
1: Well, do do the Rangers definitely go, go forward at at 22, no matter what you think? I I mean, that, that would be there. Most likely
2: I think they're most likely going to center Given the way this draft Looks like it's going to unfold Um, Because there's no way Jake Sanderson Or uh, uh, Jamie Drysdale is going to be there At 22 and those are like the two big name defensemen And then there's a couple other defensemen That'll probably go high that I just don't agree at all that they should go high there's Kaden rule from the WHL who I don't think is that good at hockey at all He's just big and can skate <laughs> Because of that Bob McKenzie has I don't him think he's
1: that good at hockey at all. Um, <laughs> okay. yeah.
2: There's there's like a, a handful of like Big defensemen that can also Skate and and so like you know Back in the day like with the Dylan McElrath syndrome If you're big and can fight People immediately were like oh yeah that means you're a good Defenseman now the You know the traditional talking heads have migrated over to well, if you're big and you can skate, then you must be a great defenseman. But it's like you gotta know how to actually play defense too. And um, you know, Braden Schneider is another guy who you know he's fine. Like I I have him and and Caden both in the second round, but I think it's really, really galaxy braining it to go top twenty with them.
0: Yeah, and and I I know this is more my area of uh, you know, but. Are there any European defensemen you think uh, the Rangers would target
2: at 22? I don't think they would target a defenseman at 22, but there is one that if they did do it, I wouldn't be that upset, and that's Emil Andre.
0: Who also plays for HV71.
2: Yeah, I think he's really, really good, and even though he's only 5'9", 5'10", he's actually tough as nails and really physical, and I think he's the kind of player that a lot of fans would fall in love with very quickly. Um, but you know, some people question his skating. I, I personally have never seen that much of an issue with the skating. I, I see that there's a little bit of choppiness with it, but it's not something that I think can't be easily fixed um, with proper, you know, with a good, you know, skating coach or something like that. Um, and I think he's really, really talented. Um, and he's a guy where I have him ranked twenty fifth. Um, I've seen him go as, you know, in like the mid second round often in like the mock drafts and Bob McKenzie, Bob McKenzie's ranks, but he's one defenseman where Personally, I wouldn't be that upset, but I just, I just, the team needs a center, and there's going to be a handful of really good centers available at 22. So just go with the center.
0: Yeah. Are, are there any players in later rounds that
2: you're very high on? Of course, uh, I have one that you probably uh, know a lot about. I'm gonna butcher his name, um, but he plays for the Fralunda junior team, uh, Daniel. Mm-hmm. Torgerson is that how you say it
0: Daniel Torgerson that's
2: pretty good yeah that's yeah. Still not he, bad yeah he's a, he's a big winger but also yeah. really skilled and yeah. I have him as a late second rounder most of like you know you look at McKenzie's ranks in the draft simulators and stuff have him in like third fourth fifth round but I think he's really really talented and could be an absolute steal um, I'll stick with the, the Swedish uh, players again and now go with someone for the HV 71 junior team Anton Johansson is someone that I think is super talented undersized defenseman um but he's got some you know, there's some rumored issues not like trouble not issues like like getting gets into trouble or anything like that but there's some uh, health related issues rumored about him that may cause him to fall but just as like a pure talent like i think he's up there as like a first round talent um but may be available in the mid rounds because of some red flags people have with him
0: yeah, and that that is sort of the the Sean Day scenario where the Rangers might go for the guy who drops for like non hockey related reasons, uh, and yeah, we'll we'll see what happens in the in the later rounds. But having so many picks, like two picks in the third round and three picks in the seventh round, um, and the Rangers usually trade down once or twice in the later rounds anyway, so maybe they will they will get even more picks. Um, one Another one player that that I'm really really uh, excited about, and this is like my favorite North American prospect in the draft. Not necessarily my best prospect, but my favorite is Eamon Powell.
2: Mm. Yeah, I've heard you talk about him quite a bit. He's a defenseman on the U.S. national on the U.S. NT uh, national development program team. Yeah, um, where where would you like? Where would you have him going? Like, if you're GM, where are you comfortable taking him?
0: I well. I, the Rangers only have, uh, after the first round, third round picks, um, I wouldn't, I would be comfortable packaging those third round picks to trade up a bit to, to get him. I don't think they would need
2: to. So a lot of what I see has him as a guy that's probably going the third round. Um, I I like him. I I have him, uh, towards like the back end of the second, like I have him on this tier that goes from the back end of the second to the third. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think he's someone that could legitimately be there, um, in the third round, um, And he's kind of a late bloomer, too. And I know sometimes NHL teams get a little bit scared of, like, the late bloomer types. Um, Unless, of course, they play in the Canadian leagues. Then they they don't care. (laughs) But when it comes (laughs) to the the European leagues, they tend to uh, shy away from guys that kind of bloomed really late. And, you know, Powell was someone where coming into this year, he was like, hey, you know, he's on the U.S. National Development Program. So, obviously, he's a draft target. But no one was really talking about him as someone other than like a late round flyer, but then had a very good season and progressed really nicely. And, um, you know, now like people like Steven and others really like him as a good choice in the second round. And I wouldn't argue at all against that.
0: Yeah. Um, Do do you think, well, that's probably a stupid question because I think the Rangers will pick a goalie. Where do you think the Rangers will pick a goalie? Will they, will they pick the goalie very late? Because if you, no, no, I mean, drafting a goalie is not a bad decision this year. They, they graduated two goalies in the last 12 months and they, they, the only goalie prospect unsigned they have is all of So, yeah.
2: And it's general, you're talking about, you know, seven round draft. Um, you know, it's never a bad idea to if you have one guy that falls and you want to take a flyer on, then it's fine to use one of your seven picks on that. Um, I'm sure if, if, if someone falls, you know, the Rangers are big on going value late. And I'm sure if they feel like a guy represents good value late in the draft, they'd go for it. And the guy that I'm sure that they love is, um, I think that's first is Joel Blomquist. Um, but he's yep. probably second round. And I don't see the, you know, obviously the Rangers don't have a second round pick. Um, but he's a guy that I would guarantee you, they, they just based on the style and, and where he plays and where the Rangers scout. I, I bet you the Rangers love him, but I think he'll go before the Rangers have a chance to take him.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's probably going to be the second uh, goalie in the draft after Oscar.
2: Yeah, I mean, he plays for uh, Karpat in Liga, so like there's, you know, plenty of exposure in the, and the in the Rangers scout the Scandinavian leagues heavily, and yeah. so he's definitely on the radar. But yeah, I would bet a lot that he's the second goalie off the board.
0: Yeah, yeah, there, there's there's another Finnish goalie, uh, Lassi Lehtinen, who plays for Luko in in Finland. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit older; he's already twenty, but he put up a really good season last year. Um, and in the seventh round, the Rangers in the past couple of years have gone with some 19- and 20-year-old players, which is not necessarily a bad decision. I mean, you get a player where you already know what he, uh, what his development curve was at age 18 instead of going for a player where you're still waiting for. It, so,
2: Yeah, and also, there are actually a number of guys that weren't drafted last year that I thought should have been that then went and had good seasons this year and still, for some reason, are... Only projected to be late round or like fringe draft guys that, that I would love and target late. You know, Dimitri Sheshin's uh, one that you see all the time in people's yes. uh, mock drafts that would, you know, yeah, very skilled player and he'd be a great late round pick. Um, Billy Consonant, who is a kid who I thought at one point last year could have been the second or third round pick and for whatever reason, didn't get drafted, but he's a very skilled offensive defenseman. That would be a great late round pick. Um, Christian Tannis is a kid from, I think he plays in the, fin- I can't remember if he's in the Swedish or Finnish leagues, but he, I thought should have been drafted last year in like the mid rounds, still available. And he's a mean kid. I mean, he's, he's a good player. He's got skill, but also really has some bite to his game. And I think he'd be a fantastic late round pick as well.
0: Yeah. Um, so... I, I'm pretty sure you know this player. I just want your opinion on it. Uh, you mentioned uh, uh, Anton Johansson. Mm-hmm. What about Samuel Johansson, who plays for Rögle? I'm sorry, you blanked out there. What about who? Samuel Johansson. He's a defenseman who plays in Sweden as well for uh, Rögle, the team that Adam Estreum plays for. Um, he's 20, so he's a little bit older. But um, yeah, I'll be honest. I know he exists, but I don't. Okay. I okay. Play. Well, okay. I was just, I was just wondering if you, if you followed him at all, like maybe in previous years for the draft.
2: Yeah, I, like I said, he, he's a name that like I know the name, and he plays okay. for what, Had he, Rogel rog, rog, had, I never know how to pronounce that team's name. R O G L E.
0: I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure on this, but I think it's Rogel. I Sorry. can't, I can't roll my eyes out on that. But, it's um... Swedish. It's weird. It's, it's, it's <laughs> great. It's amazing. Yeah.
2: But no, he's a, I mean, he's a good player. Uh, I mean, and he's obviously, like, the fact that he's like and, and someone like me, who, you know, I'm not a full-time, you know, I do this for fun. Like mm-hmm. Even the fact that I'm aware who, of who he is, like, says something. But he's, you know, it's, he was supposed to be, I think he's only one-year overager, right? He was supposed to go in last year's class. I think he's a
0: late 2000 birthday. No, I think he's July 2000. So he's the same draft class as Nils Lundqvist, if I'm correct.
2: Oh, okay, okay. So that, the two-year overage, oh, that's different. Those are actually the, the more you get out from the draft, the rarer usually is for them to get taken. But I'd, I'd be lying if I said I knew enough about him to say, um, yeah, you know, he where they should take him. But I'll, yeah. I'll take your word for it if you think that he's.
0: I mean, it. if 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 you're two years after your first draft, you don't really get taken high on, unless, of course, you're Canadian, like Brad Leeson, mm-hmm. or. Uh... Who was the Who was the guy the uh, the Kings drafted in the first round? Who was also twenty? Uh, well,
2: it- Nilsson no, was the big one, where he was uh, a a two year overager. Yeah. But um, didn't the kids the kids took the one year overager from Sweden, Samuel? Uh, Samuel
0: game- Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. Uh, a couple of years ago, the Kings drafted in the first round. I think was it Tyler Toffoli who was twenty. Maybe I know
2: one of the big reach uh, overagers was when um Florida took um crap from Denver. Uh, he's a oh my god, I'm blanking on his name. But a couple of years ago, for at the end of the first round, Florida took an overager out of Denver University and he ended up becoming one of their best prospects. A center, I'm blanking on his name now. Um, not happen, um, yeah. Niemi. Okay, it, oh, no, I don't think it was happen. He was was it Borkstrom, yes, that's it, Henrik Borkstrom, yes. Okay.
1: Uh, Drew, Drew, I have a question for you. So, so mm-hmm. I think every year we always have one team that you know uh, throws a big wrench into the equation, right? There always is. is. Is is there a team out there you see, you know, could really do some bizarre things to kind of shake up the, the let's say, the top twelve of this draft? Yeah,
2: I me and Ottawa. Ottawa's got three and five. Um, they've made it known that <laughs> they're going whoever LA doesn't take. And and just in case anyone's not familiar, the way the general consensus has it is. Lafreniere is one, and then two, three is Byfield and Tim Stutzla. Personally, I think Lucas Raymond is better than Tim Stutzla. But the, really? The, yeah, I have Raymond three, um, and I have my second tier is Byfield and Raymond, and then Stutzla is he- leading the next tier. Um, okay. But the general consensus is it's Stutzla and, and Byfield in either order, two or three. And the, uh, the senators have already come out and said, yes, they're going whoever's there at three, but at five, I mean, they're looking at all sorts of supposedly they may take Askarov at five, they may take Jack Quinn at five. Um, and then they may take the the other, you know, common names that you hear there, guys like um, you know, Alexander Holtz or Lucas Raymond or Jake Sanderson or Jamie Drysdale, Cole Perfetti, etc. But if they go off the board and take a kid like Jack Quinn there, um, you know, that could throw things in a little bit of flux. And you know, there's going to be a team or two that reaches on a defenseman. Um, You know, uh, Jamie Drysdale and Jake Sanderson are both probably going to go in the top 10, if not, you know, worst, you know, call it top 13. But there will probably be one other team that takes a a Caden Gould or Braden Schneider too high and then cause, you know, other players to drop.
0: Mm. Yeah. And and in in recent years, those players were, well, Moritz Seider last year was a pretty big. Surprise. I think he was drafted sixth by Detroit. Yeah. And then the year before was Barrett Hayton, a uh, fifth overall by Arizona.
1: So, so, so projection who, who do you, who do you think is going to be the team that actually, you know, uh, the day, the, the day after this, the, the, you know, the, um, after the draft, where you look back and you say, you know what, this, this team really killed it.
2: Is Peter Shirelli being hired by someone? If so <laughs> I, I wish, I
0: wish. I have to say, Jim Rutherford is showing shades of Peter Shirelli the last couple of months. Yeah. But Pittsburgh doesn't have a first-round pick, though, do they? No, no. no. Oh. They, they traded it for Copeland, and that's, that's one of the deals I didn't understand. But, yeah, so. yeah.
2: I could see Edmonton kind of galaxy-braining it. They seem like a kind of team that would really reach for need, but Edmonton's picking in a slot where, you know, again, th- this is a, a, a year with a really deep talent pool, and, and I think once you get out of the top, 10 or 11 or so there's like, you can make the argument for 20 different players at any point and it not be too, too ridiculous. Um, so really, I think what's going to be intriguing is because of, I don't, I don't know if there's so much going to be a team that's really galaxy branding it in terms of just super, super reaching. But I think what's intriguing to ask is because of how deep the talent pool is in this draft, who is going to be that player that falls like a couple of years ago, we had Joe Valeno fall to like 20, 29 where most people had him around 10 or so. And um, who that is, I, I don't know, but I guarantee you there will be at least one or two players that people like me are screaming about. How is this guy still on the board at, you know, 15, 18, 20, wherever?
1: Yeah, I, I actually thought that was going to be my question is, uh, is, is can you think of like one or two players that you go like, for example, like who, who who's the Valeno this year? Who's the guy who you're like, you know what? This guy probably should go in the top 10. And you're sitting around, you're like at 19, he's still there. And you're like Why didn't you get drafted yet?
2: I mean, based off of my board, it's Ian it's, it's Maeser and and Noel Gundler, heard too, that, you know, if I, you compare how I feel about them versus, you know, again, Bob McKenzie's ranks. Um, they very likely may be dropping well further than where I have them. But if you're just going off of, like, the consensus ranks, you know, Anton Lindell could fall to, you know, 10, 12 area. Um I've I could, seen some mocks of him in the late teens, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's – what that is is – I'll tell you now. So, the, I, I, for, for the record, I like The Athletic a lot and their coverage. But, like, when they do, like, those Corey Pronman articles and then they're quoting all the scouts, it's pretty obvious the scouts they're talking to are CHL scouts. And, and so it's, like, obviously, like, when they're making comments – Like, um, you know, Jack Quinn might be one of the best, most talented players in this class and this and that. It's like, well, yeah, you mean Jack Quinn might be one of the most talented players in the OHL, which you, which you scout, like people need to realize that Mm -hmm. when you're getting these opinions from these professional scouts, professional scouts, it's not their job to watch all the leagues and know all this. It's their job to scout their region. And often their lens is really, they know the OHL in and out better than anyone else. And then they're aware of the other big guys, but not like a, a, you know, a guy whose job it is to do this stuff does and so you always have to take it with a grain of salt when they're pumping the tires of someone in a league that they watch all the time especially when you're talking about how they are relative to you know kids from sweden or finland or russia etc yeah and her. my
0: my uh, my biggest gripe with pundits like uh like craig button is a good example is when it comes to european prospects you can just tell that they only watch the world juniors because for instance, Craig Button has Alexander Holtz listed as a left winger, which he has not played a single game at left wing in Sweden. He only plays left wing on the on the national team because he's on the line with Lucas Raymond. And it, if you judge uh, prospects solely on the world juniors, if you would do that with Canadian players, Quinton Byfield wouldn't even be a first round pick. It's just It's just annoying to see this happen year after year after year.
2: Well, and also, like, the World Juniors is not really a tournament for draft prospects. The World Juniors is largely a tournament for kids that are in their D plus one and D plus two years. Yeah, uh, it's pretty rare for a kid to be draft eligible in their first year and be on a World Junior team, um, which even yeah, more under eight under eighteens is not
0: a tournament yeah. they always look at.
2: Oh right, right. But, but still, to your point, like the Holtz one's a good one. Like Holtz almost exclusively plays right wing. But yeah, sure, because he played a couple games in a world tournament at left wing. You're going to list them at left wing because it's clear that's all you watched.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. And that was my point, and and I pointed it out, and and he 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 didn't get snarky or anything, but he was like, yes, I only watched him play for uh, the Swedish team, and i understand that not everyone has the time to go through all these games but i mean if you can do it i'm pretty sure a guy who literally gets paid to do it can also do it well that that's my and
2: i think like i used to complain about that all the time too it's like this is your, your job is to know this stuff like how do you not and i do and yeah. the answer to that honestly is their job is to be a media personality and most of their job is in production meetings and this and that and so it's you know, I, I was wrong. Like, I used to have this mindset that, like, well, if you're a pro prospects analyst, like, that's what you do 40 hours a week is analyzing stuff. It's not like 35 hours a week. They're in production meetings and trying to make their TV product or the written product good. And then they spend a few hours a week, just like the rest of us, on the prospect coverage.
0: Yeah. Let, let, me, uh, let me ask you one, one, one
1: last question, Joe, before, before Steve does. So, with the 20 second pick, is there a team out there or a player that if they turn around and they say, you know what, we want that, we want that pick? that could make the Rangers better today, let's say a center or a defenseman that's available and and, and a team wants to trade, uh, you know, a, a, a player today, would you be open to that? Are there are there players that you think could get moved for that 22nd pick?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if Anaheim's calling say, Hey, we're willing, we want to move on from Hampus Lindholm. What will you give us? Plus 20, you know, 22 plus what gives you Hampus Lindholm? Like I'm listening to that all day long. I think Hampus Lindholm, okay. He's a fantastic defenseman and would make this team a lot better tomorrow. Um, you know, I would entertain a topic. If Montreal is serious about moving Philip um, You know, he's the kind of player where, yeah, I, I would move 22 for him, um, provided that we're getting a long-term commitment. I would not move it if it's just he's going to be here for a year, then move on. Um, but yes, the point is, if there is a no-brainer, this guy helps you both now and for a few years in the future, then I would certainly move 22 for that player.
1: Got it. That, that, that was kind of the gist of my question. Is I want to make sure that we're not, we're not committed to 22. It's more like if there's a player out there who helps us today and the next five to seven years, are we, are we looking at that?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And this, yeah, this is basically what Gordon did last year when he won the lottery. He traded the 20th overall pick with Neil Piong to get Jacob Truba. And I, I understand the reasoning behind it because it's a lot easier to trade that, that later first round pick if your top pick is going to be basically a guarantee. And this year is the same. We have the first overall pick, so it might make it easier for Gordon to go. Yeah, we're just going to package this with, uh, with like a, an up and coming player and get someone who makes us better. Now it makes it.
1: Uh, what do What do you think the Ra- So before we before we end, what do you think the Rangers do at the uh, at the second line center? Do you do you think that is going to be Strome's job, or are we doing something different there?
2: I mean, I mentioned before. I think. Uh, they're going to give—sorry, you guys keep hearing my computer sounds. I should have just muted my computer. <laughs> That's um, totally fine. Apologies about that. But, yeah, no, it's—like uh, I said, I think they, they signed Strom to one more year. And, you know, it's Strom and Hedel to battle it out. Who gets the second versus third line center roles? Um, I think the Rangers aren't necessarily a team that has a very set in stone first versus second versus third line. It seems clear that Quinn uses the fourth line in a very different role. Um, But the top three can seem to cycle in and out depending on how the game's going, how who the opponent is, things like that. So I don't really think it matters who's the two C versus the three C. What matters more is finding the right combinations of players to get the most out of everyone.
1: I think that's fair. Okay, that 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 answers my question. I think I know where you stand on that. Cool. All right. Anything,
0: Steve? Yeah. One question for Drew before we wrap it up. Um, Mm -hmm. Who is your favorite? I, I want to say Twitter Scout to you know really t- explain to you what I'm talking about. Who is your favorite Twitter Scout, so to speak?
2: Yeah, I, it's it's hard naming one, so I'm gonna just start by saying apologies to the people I'm not about the name, but if, if I had to say like this one person is someone who a I read all their stuff and and really admire, and then also b like I get along with them very very well too, and think they're a genuinely good person. It's Sam Stern. It's probably the the first person I would shout out if you're saying like, who's the first Twitter scout that I'm going to throw out
0: there to, to
2: promote. Mm. Oh.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. The, the one that I always look forward to uh, when he has new content is
2: uh, uh, Will Scouch. Uh, scout is great too. Yeah. I, I don't personally interact with Scout that much, um, but I mean, Scout is super, super smart and would definitely, definitely recommend everyone go check out Will Scout as well. Yeah. Um, his, yeah, his, his videos are
0: short they're clear they're easy to understand well and I, I would he, say this
2: I, I think scouch could afford for making his grading a little bit easier to understand i think he he overthinks it a little bit with going like the the number and letter grade combinations it took like it took me a little bit to be like wait what the hell is he talking about here but his analysis is unmatched yes. in terms of the free sphere and he's he's uh yeah he's He's articulate. He 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 uses video very well to demonstrate what he's talking about. He's yeah. It's very hard to find a better Twitter
0: scout, as you say, than Will Scoggins. And, and he he um the one thing I think it's seven games he watches for a prospect before he makes a video. He he really goes out of his way to watch like several games to yeah. make sure that he doesn't base it on an outlier where a player has either a really good or a really bad game. Well, what he does is he's got a lot
2: of his own tracking data. Mm-hmm. So similar to what I was talking about before with like Corey Snyder and what he does with like the, the tracking the zone entries and exits and stuff like that, Will Scout does a lot of that analytics tracking himself by hand as well. And and, and yes, he generally I I think seven sounds right, but it's at least five, where he does at least five games before. Okay. He starts to make really sound opinions, and it's it's yeah. I can't say enough good things about him. If if someone wants to know a good place to go, uh, you know, on Twitter to find meaningful insights about prospects, you know, you'll be hard pressed to find someone better than Will Scout.
0: Yeah. All right. So,
1: so, I, I, so uh, one of those questions for go How many points does lafayette score in his rookie season?
0: Sixty-nine.
2: Nice. <laughs> nice. Nice. I mean, I, I, t- kidding aside, it. It all depends on what role he's going to be in, right? I mean, if he's going to be playing for most of the year, well, actually, what the hell is the season going to be? Are we going to get an eighty-two game season, and is it going to be condensed? What's the deal there? I mean, there's, I, so, they're, many, they're, there's
1: so many, there's so many, so many up in the air variables,
2: right? Yeah, is there going to be
0: a season? Who knows?
2: Yeah, but if, yeah, if, if
1: exactly. Is there even going to be a season? That's true.
2: If we're operating in a world where we're going to have a full eighty-two game schedule with a normal um, cadence to the season, so it's not condensed and therefore higher risk for injury and this and that, or maybe more exactly. Radical. I would end if he plays, you know, on the line consistently with a Panarin or as a Banajad or, you know, other playmakers that can help balance him out. I think in the 60s is not out of the realm of possibilities. Um, Now, again, do not be people should not be disappointed if he does not hit that. I'm just saying he's good enough where that could happen. If I had to realistically say, what am I expecting? Probably mid 50s.
1: I was saying, I was saying, fifty-five is kind of like where I mean, a- anything, anything north of fifty, I'm ecstatic.
0: Yeah, yeah, Sweet. yeah. Well, how exciting is it that we have two uh, Calder candidates on, on the team next season And Chef Jorkin and Lafreniere? That's that's pretty exciting. Somewhere, someone's getting
2: really angry that you didn't just say Keandre Miller on that list too. Uh,
0: Kean, I Look, if
2: Keandre <laughs> Miller, makes that was the key, question I asked with the kid.
1: Do you think Keandre Miller plays next season?
2: I don't know. It's he's not. He's he's going to be in training camp. It sounds right. It's uh, he's not one of the players that because a lot of the prospects who are going over to Europe now to keep playing, which is the smart thing to do, to be clear. Um, but Miller hasn't done that, which makes me think that he's got all the hopes to make the team out of training camp. And so um, you know, we'll see. We'll see how I, the training camp right, goes. That
1: that, that they almost, that, that he's almost got a he's almost got a spot to lose. Not a spot to lose, but like they're expecting I, him to make to make the team. I don't. I'll say this:
2: it's the spot. If the spot is there for his taking, if he does enough to take it. Now, how much does he need to do to take it? I don't know, Um, but I think the team would love it if he came in and performed well enough to reasonably justify making the team out of camp.
1: Oh, I I, I think I think the organization would be absolutely ecstatic if he just comes out and just blows the doors off. You know what I mean? Like from training, and they're just like, you know what, this is. Even if even if he has a couple of games at, at the end where he looks a little eh, or if he starts off slow and really turns it on, I think that's what I'm saying. I think he'd have to have a bad camp from the bill like, for them to really turn around. Big, like, no, you still need more grooming. Yep.
0: Okay. But if if he has a great season and he's a Calder uh, candidate, I, I I'm going to be just as happy as any other Ranger fan.
2: <laughs> yeah, no. I Mainly, was just trolling you there because I see sometimes people give you some shit over him. They do. All the time, actually. All right. Well, let's wrap it up here. It was great talking
1: to
0: you, Drew.
2: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Always fun talking with you guys, and uh, I'm sure we'll be chatting again soon. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Before you go, Drew, plug all your stuff, where where people can find you and and all all of your articles, and so people know where to find you. Yeah, I
2: mean, admittedly, I don't write nearly as much as I used to, but if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's Drews underscore way, D-R-E-W-S underscore W-A-Y. Um, I write, uh, you know, I publish my prospect and analytics stuff. I had a Blue Shirts Breakaway. Um, Definitely check out uh, those guys, too, if if you're looking for even more Rangers content. And, um, yeah, you know, the the easiest way, though, is to find me on Twitter, and I'm always happy to interact with people on Twitter.
0: All right. Sounds good. And uh, maybe we can do a quick recap after the draft to go over the guys we actually end up picking. (laughs) Sounds good to me. All right. Thanks a lot, Drew, and everyone have a good day.